story Fill up the pages Sing a little song Keep me around Keep me with you Right by your nightstand Keep me around As long as you can Hey, just a little disclaimer here um, this episode contains some trigger warnings, so there's some reference to um, domestic and child abuse um, through a mythical context, but it's still there. Um, and there is some actual true crime stuff with domestic violence, so just buyer beware. Um, and thanks for coming to our first little podcast. Should I just start us off then? That's your job. Alrighty. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to ADD Storytelling, a podcast in which we explore the myths and stories of our time in no particular sequence and occasionally with less than perfect focus. My name is Tucker and I'm joined by our diaphanous neurodivergent host, Maddie. Hello everyone. Hi. It's our first baby podcast. It's my first time. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm a little... Um, my sleepiness is worrying with my caffeine intake, so... Excellent. What are we about to talk about? So today, for our first episode, for our first intro episode, uh, we're going to talk about changelings. Changelings? Across cultures? I have a vague understanding of what a changeling is and what stories go along with them, but correct me if I'm wrong that they're kind of something that pops up all over the place. They do kind of pop up in different countries, but it's mostly European countries, and it's mostly ones that are close to water. Mm. Um, So, like, Celtic myth, Scottish myth, um, there's, like, some Norwegian and German ones as well. Um, Do they tend to be a kind of water-centric, wet creature, or would you call this a cryptid, or...? It is not a cryptid. It's straight up, like, fairies are like, we don't want this one. Why don't we just pretend to make it be human for a minute, and then we can have the humans take care of it, and then we'll just leave it there. Um, and sometimes they take one of ours, a small child or something, in return, and they leave a bit of wood behind if they don't have their own changeling. But Now, maybe this is just me being divergent, but now I'm curious to know, uh, are fairies not cryptids? Like, where's the line drawn? I don't... I've never really considered fairies to be cryptids. I kind of... Ex- considered them to be just like their own separate entity but i suppose they could be cryptids but i always think of a jackalope instead of a fairy for a cryptid yeah okay okay so to get us started agree to disagree (laughs) i would love to kind of give us a little a little story into i guess the typical changeling story because you know like i said there's like scotland germany different places no, Germans aren't. They're not seafaring. They're a landlock group of dry boys. Right. So what I'd like to do is just read an actual story. Okay. It's kind of short, but then you have to be just in, in trance with my voice and the way that we're, we're doing this. Done and done. Um, so this is called The Brewery of Eggshells. It's from T. Croft and Crocker, um, Fairy Legends and Traditions of the South of Ireland. Um, and I've pulled from, like, tons of different sources... But my main sources today were the Yeats thing that I said before, Strange and Secret Peoples, Fairies and Victorian Consciousness by Carol G. Silver. Um, Also, there are... W.B. Yeats is a pretty big deal, right? I feel like I I know that name. Yeah, Yeats is like the fairy tale bro. Ah, yeah, that's the title. And then an article called Evidence for Autism in Folklore by J. Leesk, A. Leesk, and N. Silvo. So, Mrs. Sullivan fancied that her youngest child had been exchanged by fairies theft, quote-unquote. And certainly appearances warranted such a conclusion. For in one night, her healthy, blue-eyed boy had become shriveled up into almost nothing and never ceased squalling and crying. This naturally made poor Miss Sullivan very happy. 
unhappy, sorry. Yeah, that'd be a bit problematic <laughs> if she was stoked on this. And all the neighbors. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> shriveled that blue-eyed boy. And all the neighbors, by way of comforting her, said that her own child was beyond any kind of doubt with the good people, as in the fairies, and that one of themselves was put in his place, one of themselves, changeling time. Mrs. Sullivan, of course, could not disbelieve what everyone told her, but she did not wish to hurt the thing, for although its face was so withered and its body wasted away to a mere skeleton, it still had a strong resemblance to her own boy. She therefore could not find it in her heart to roast it alive on a griddle, Whoa. or to burn its nose off with red hot tongs. Where did we get? How did we get here? Okay, I, hold I'm, up. So the this poor is, boy. These are the typical punishments for a changeling. To figure out if you have a changeling, you do stuff like this. You just mangle it. Yeah. You so just, you just eviscerate the boy. If you allow me to continue, I will to. tell you the horrible things that you oh, would sweet. do to literal children to find out if they were children. Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, changelings. <laughs> No children. children or changelings, either way. I'm just, pretty sure they're kids. You're just going to figure it out. Um, <laughs> so I'll just start doing again. doing this shit to kids. She couldn't find it in her heart. No. To roast it alive on the griddle, to burn its nose off with red-hot tongs, or to throw it out in the snow on the roadside. Notwithstanding these, and several like proceedings, were strongly recommended to her for the recovery of her child. One day, who should Miss Sullivan meet but a cunning woman? well known about the country by the name of Ellen Leah, or Grey Ellen. She had the gift, however she got it, of telling where the dead were, what was good for the rest of their souls, and could charm away warts and wens and do a great many wonderful things of the same nature. So she's a witch, she's a head witch. Yeah. You're in grief this morning, Miss Sullivan, were the first words of Ellen Leah to her. You may say that, Ellen, said Mrs. Sullivan. And good cause I have to be in grief, for there was my own fine child whipped off for me out of his cradle, and without as much as a by your leave or ask your pardon, and an ugly dony bit of a shriveled up fairy put in his place. No wonder, then, that you see me in grief, Ellen. Small blame to you, Miss Sullivan, said Ellen Leah. But are you sure tis a fairy? Sure, echoed Miss Sullivan. No, I haven't put it on the grill yet. I'm still a little <laughs> uncertain, but... Sure enough, I am to my sorrow. And can I doubt when my own two eyes, every mother's soul must feel for me? Will you take an old woman's advice? Said Ellen Leah. I can't do accents, can, so I'm just no, switching between. <laughs> I, you were starting to commit. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> Fixing her wild and mysterious gaze upon the unhappy mother. It's Scottish. And right? after a pause, she added, but maybe you'll call it foolish. Um, Ireland, Irish. Uh, can you get me back my child, my own child, Ellen? Said Mrs. Sullivan with great energy. If you do as I bid you, returned Ellen Leah. Wait, can you reread that with great energy? <laughs> I did. I know, but I just hit it. Just hit that, like, manic great energy. Can you give me back my child, my own child, Ellen? Miss Sullivan said with great energy. Adequate energy. Is that better? That's, that's good energy. If you do as I bid you, returned Ellen Leah, you'll know. Mrs. Sullivan was silent in expectation, and Ellen continued... Put down the big pot full of water on the fire and make it boil like mad. Then get a dozen new laid eggs. Break them and keep the shells, but throw away the rest. When that is done, put the shells in the pot of boiling water, and you will soon know whether it is a, your own boy or a fairy. If you find that it is a fairy in the cradle, take the red-hot poker By and cram it egg? down its ugly throat. Oh, okay. And you will not have much trouble with them after that, I no, promise you. you. probably wouldn't. No, no, no. Is this... Quick question. Hmm. Given that one of her go-to options was the griddle, uh-huh. we're talking like a very, very one would call a baby, a very tiny human. Well, yeah, a young, a young one. Yeah, because it would be. It's be in a cradle. Fairly, okay, cradle yeah, age. It would be fairly difficult to put, say, like a six-year-old blue-eyed boy. Yeah. On a griddle. No, it's a cradle one. It would be a slow process. So to turn the boy a lot. Eggshells first, and then the poker. You know, once you're sure it's the fairy. And does it have to be as brutal as a poker? It's, there are... Why does it have to die if it's a fairy? Yeah, well, they're just, they took yours, first of all, and then they're just ugly, so they get mad at that, so I guess. just kill it? Yeah, apparently. Like... Anyway, so home went Mrs. Sullivan. do that. And as did Ellen Leah desired. Or, and did as Ellen Leah desired. Cool, good. She put the pot on the fire and plenty of turf under it, and set the water boiling at such a rate. That if ever water was red hot, it surely was. Water was red hot? 
Yeah, so it's hot water. That, okay, hold up, Irish. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, Does old timey water turn red when it's hot? <laughs> I have. I'm. T- I. I am vexed and upset that they just. It was the phrasing. So if ever there was red water, it was this. How was that phrased? <laughs> if ever water was red hot, it yeah. surely was. Okay. So, but it's it's colorless, obviously. This is the story of a maniac. I still have this much to do, so let's, let's get through it here. The child was lying for a wonder, quite easy and quiet in the cradle, very now and then cocking his eye that would twinkle as keen as a star on a frosty night over at the great fire and the big pot put upon it. And he looked on with great attention at Mrs. Sullivan, breaking the eggs and putting down the eggshells to boil. At last, he asked, with the voice of a very old man, what are you doing, Mammy? <laughs> oh, uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Sullivan's heart, as she said herself, was up in her mouth ready to choke her at hearing the child speak. But she contrived to put the poker in the fire and to answer, without making any wonder at the words, I'm brewing a vic, my son. And what are you brewing, Mammy? said the little imp, whose supernatural gift of speech now proved beyond question that he was a fairy substitute. I wish the poker was red, thought Mrs. Sullivan, but it was the large one, and took a long time heating, so she determined to keep him in talk until the poker was in a proper state to thrust down his throat, and thereby, and therefore repeated the question. Yeah, if only that poker was as hot or red hot as the water. Is it what I'm brewing, a vic? said she. You want to know? Yes, mammy, what are you brewing? returned the fairy. Eggshells, a vic. Sorry, said Mrs. what is this Sullivan. word you're hitting? I, it says vic, V-I-C-K. I don't know what it is. Just reading the story. Okay. Oh, shrieked the imp. And started up in the cradle and clapping his hands together. I'm fifteen hundred years in this world and I never saw a brewery of eggshells before. And the title of the, that's the title of the book. That's the title of the book? <laughs> you said the name of this book. The poker was by this time quite red, and Mrs. Sullivan, seizing it, ran furiously towards the cradle, but somehow or other her foot slipped and she fell flat on the floor, and the poker flew out of her hand to the other end of the house. However, she got up without much loss of time and went to the cradle, intending to pitch the wicked thing that was in it into the pot of boiling water. When there she saw her own child in sweet sleep, one of his round arms resting upon the pillow. His features were as placid as if their repose had never been disturbed, save the rosy mouth, which moved with a gentle and regular breathing. So this was, again, from W.B. Yeats, Fairy and Folktales of the Irish Peasantry, London, Walter Scott, 1888. Um, so yeah, that's basically the changeling thing. So they have all those ways to figure it out. And the child, it either becomes like physically... All those ways to figure it out? They were going to mutilate this little thing. Right, yeah. So that's, that's the darkness of this story. Okay. So... And two questions. I mean, I understand, I guess, that the problem is that your, your real child is gone. And so you're going to be, you're going to be less than thrilled about that. Or your child is so changed from its previous normal state. Okay, well... Quote-unquote normal. Sorry, so there's a chance the child's in there, and you're about to take Red Hot Sauce to it? Well, in lots of the story, just the change in behavior and the, like, physical, like, deformity or change in the child is enough to prove that it's a changeling, and so you do all of these things, and because fairies don't like iron... Or yeah, metal. Um, we all know that. Yeah, just BT they, dubs. They, they just hate iron. <laughs> if you touch it with iron, especially hot iron, then it like severely injures them. So then the mother of the previous. Okay, sorry. I think if you touch anything with hot iron, it severely injures it. Yeah. So if you there just t- you see... if it was like a vampire and you just touch silver and it starts freaking out, like that's a yeah. So does iron hurt fairies, or are they just aesthetically not into it? It hurts fairies. Okay, so why do you have to get it hot then? That's why they don't live child. in cities. They don't want to be in Iron Town. Mm. Um, anyway, you have all these brutal ways to get your own child back once yeah. you know. What are the fairies getting out of this? They get to leave their old wizened things. Like that one was, what did he say? 1500? 1500 years old and then whatever. Oh, so and then they take your new child to have as a fun pet. So they're like essentially dumping their elderly on people? Yeah, or the ones that they don't want. So like, so, like, they're they're treating these little German, Irish, old-time European folks 
they're treating their hovels like uh, like hospice care or like also yeah if homes. they don't want to raise their own child for whatever reason they trick humans into raising it and then sometimes like the child will like they're supposed to like basically eat constantly like they'll just eat and eat and eat and eat out of house and home and then they play tricks and whatever they sound fun like a little baby that has an old man voice that's just always hungry and just wants to play tricks that suddenly you're not dealing with an infant suddenly you're dealing with a fully cognizant 1500 year old grandpa baby Mm -hmm. that just wants to party and play tricks yeah probably knows card card games like how fun was the blue-eyed boy but before it became this shriveled that's a good question is blue-eyed boy even that good (laughs) all right well i don't know let's get into it now (laughs) so we were out of it before let's get in yeah (laughs) so um this is around the time a little unfocused like victorian times yeah what is the fairy changelings like People, like, actually believe in these myths and these legends to the point where there are, like, documented cases of, like, child abuse and things like that. I'm trying yeah. to... Okay, so most Victorians essentially knew what a changeling was. It's, like I said, um, an infant child or adult who the fairies have abducted and left in their stead was either a starving or aged useless member of their thing, a, like baby version that they didn't want to raise or even like a stump of wood sometimes like a doll sometimes just a piece of wood that they enchanted to look like a child it can be a it can be an adult yeah you can take an, an adult as and well. what did you replace that with you just and they're just like become possessed quote unquote by fairies or they gosh. are go missing interesting and it can be a, a stump you said yeah, so they take the child, right, like a kidnapping, and then they, they leave a bit of wood stone. behind and enchant it to make it look like a child or a baby, and then eventually the spell wears off, and then you are become aware that your child has been kidnapped and replaced stump. with a stump. Yeah, or, or you never notice because your, your kid was that lame or busted to begin with that it just kind of was stump-like beforehand. That must really suck. Like, if you have a neighbor whose child gets swapped with a change lane and it's just this whole elaborate situation where they're not sure it looks a lot like their blue-eyed boy and it's a whole to-do to to identify it. Then your child gets taken, but they just put a stump in. (laughs) It's just like, damn, my blue-eyed boy (laughs) didn't have a lot going for it. The changeling was always basically a creature noteworthy for its gluttony and peevishness, its lack of heart or soul, or its strange, malicious, or ungovernable spirit. So, didn't fit in well with the Victorian England crowd. I'm glad you used that again, because uh, I have a question here. Yeah. Um, Victorian, I did just recently read, is a difficult word to use from a historical standpoint, because it can be pretty nebulous. What time are we talking um, well, people still believe in changelings, so it's, like, from ah, now so like to back to, to like, Brexit. the, you know, right after the Dark Ages, essentially. So, Victorian, okay. I feel like, is, like, 1600s? I thought it was right, I thought it was, like, 1700s. All I guess right, we're we, Googling oh, it. Oh, good golly. You decided another, to ask a historical question. Another source for the day is, like, Google. Victorian England, because it's Queen Victoria was yeah. the time. Yeah, it sure was. And 1837 to 1901. Mm-hmm. So, I guess the Swing 1800s. Swing and the miss for both of us on that one, then. But they've been around for a minute, mm-hmm. these changeling lists. Um, anyway, so once you have determined that your human... Er- your baby got got. Yeah. Then you could do all of those horrible things... Um, to get that's my cat to to get your own back right so the most common one to do was just to expose the changeling to the peril of life in which case you just Whoa. literally yeah uh you just leave it out in the wayside okay so the victorians referred to outside as the peril of life well not really that just seems to track what they're saying is like they'll do those things 
so that the offspring suffers that the cha- the changeling does, and then the fairies will come back and pick it up because you're like, oh, you can't be trusted with my baby now that you skewered it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they come back and then give you yours back, essentially. So the fairies kind of enforce this behavior. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Fairies are they, mercurial, and they just got their own game going on. I, I don't like any of this. Everyone's losing here. Yeah. Uh huh. What are the baby? Uh, what are the fairies doing with the people baby? They just. Um, you said it looks like a pet. Yeah, kind of like. A people pet. They enchant people to raise their own young and such. Um, they dance in mushrooms. They have like, well, you know the mushroom fairy ring. I do. Yeah, yeah. So they basically dance until they don't have souls on their feet anymore. Um, they wake up in the mountain, and just you know, oh, I'm now here, and it's been. And just some random amount of time. So they're basically, like, stolen away and brought back very just, like, out of it and stuff. It's fairies. Or they just take them forever. So they just, they like to dance until they can't stand anymore and take people and to fairies like to fairies like to get down. They, yeah, they, they just sound like really shitty ravers. <laughs> that take your babies. They're the too. original ravers. Yeah. Fairies rave were the original kid, ravers, for sure. Candlelit rave kids, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how long we've been talking. Okay. Couple days. So, what characterizes a changeling? So. <laughs> yes, tell me. I feel like that was my question. What characterizes a changeling, Maddie? <laughs> so, like, it's a wizened appearance, like some sort of, like, they suddenly look old or shriveled or, like, yeah, shriveled. different in some way. Uh-huh. Um, or their behavior changes so that they become, like, just not responsive in the typical human way. Um, I imagine the log would be unresponsive. <laughs> yeah, the log is very unresponsive. Um, so the... Oh, little Timmy hasn't made much noise lately. <laughs> it's a fucking log. So... <laughs> it took me three days to notice. <laughs> so, like... Later, 20th century folklore and medical theory um, identifies changelings as a folk explanation for um, children with disabilities or congenital diseases. That's so interesting. Some Victorian medical establishment also recognized some called so-called changelings as victims of disease, um, though it could not be determined which specific or hereditary illness from which they suffered. Did you just say that a Victorian medical institute was, like, so... During the ni- in the nineteenth century, they were looking into changelings like in the medical community, or this wasn't, or is this retroactive? Well, so like, people would go to the doctor and be like, "Something's hey. up with my child. <laughs> it's probably a fairy that possessed it, right? Can you fix it, doctor?" And then they're like, "We've been getting a lot of that this week." They don't know what the diseases are, but now we know it's probably things like spina bifida, cyst. Cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy, physical malformations that prevent digestion. Um, so either inducing mm. ravenous hunger so that they keep eating like in the mist, um, you know. And they're not really, those diseases at the time were not really diagnosable because we didn't yeah, have any yeah. of the medical science that we do today. They were start, still trying to figure out like what a cough was back then. Right. And... Um, <laughs> Meta- metabolic disorders such as PKU or like phenylketonuria. Wow. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Common among those of I'm English sure and Irish stock. It's a it's an English and, English and Irish stock <laughs> yeah. disease. Um, it's which in which normal looking quote unquote light skinned and fair haired blue eyed children became hyperactive, irritable, um, palsied, and had like intellectual. Oh, difficulties. See, I, th- I thought you were going to say it was like an aversion to seasoning. And they were like completely unidentified. Um, so there's also like progeria, which causes a sort of premature aging syndrome. Um, oh, wow. Homocystinuria, which yeah. produces um, retardation and long spider-like limbs. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So these are all could could be considered wow. traits of changelings back in the day that like folk, folk like just common folk could not really deal with or understand. Show me the- There's also something called Williams syndrome, which results in um, pretty though 
intellectually disabled children, um, like Waldron's Changeling and Hurler and Hunter syndromes, which result in what's formerly called gargoyleism. Um, that is, apparently, quote-unquote, normal babies suddenly become hairy, ugly, sallow, and intellectually disabled. Um, so all of these diseases basically are explained by the folk myth of changing changelings in some ways. And then, of course, all of these horrible things that we do to deal with the changelings would obviously kill the child yeah. that basically was considered to be a burden by the parents. So, pretty dark. Yeah, this, uh... Um, what I thought was just a, a fun little foray into uh, goofy Euro myths has become uh, quite real-real. Yeah, so there are, like, documented cases of child abuse. So, like, in the Daily Telegraph in 1884, Ellen Cushion and Anastasia Rourke were arrested at the Clomnall on Saturday, charged with cruelly ill-treating a child three years old named Philip Dillon. Prisons were taken before the mayor when evidence was given showing that the neighbors fancied that the boy, who had not the use of his limbs, was a changeling left by fairies in exchange for their original child. While the mother was absent, the prisoners entered her house and placed the lad naked on a hot shovel under the impression this would break the charm. Okay. The poor little right. thing was severely burned and is in a precarious condition. Why does it also seem like not only are they mutilating these children, but they're finding, like, I don't know, I'm hard-pressed to use the word creative, and certainly hard-pressed to say just, like, mm. I guess they're going out. I'm one, what I want to say is that it seems like they're going out of their way to think of like new, like just really fucked up ways of hurting a child that like isn't necessary. Well, Why not like just like sl- not saying you should in under any circumstances, but why aren't you just going to hit the potentially fifteen hundred year old uh, fairy grandpa? Well, they said like the most common method was literally to just leave it out in the road sure. and let it die of exposure. Okay, well don't but... do that either, but if you're going to have... You go and check on it and see if they put yours back, that kind of situation. There's no correct way of wording this. But like, let's go. Let's up. go back into, it's a supernatural being, and it's taken, and you want to get back at the fairies. Just punch it once. Why do you gotta, like, light, light water on fire until it's red hot? Why you gotta well, if you don't poker? show it the peril of life, right, then the fairies won't come back with your child, so... I mean, you can... Being punched is a part of the barrel of life, I suppose. Well, there's another famous case with an adult person that was considered to be possessed by fairies. So, is there a distinction to be made of between possess- fairy possession versus fairy uh, sleight of hand, baby, baby swapping? Or is it both? Is, do they both fall under the changeling category? I think they're both falling under the changeling category. It's just like whether or not they were totally taken, like kidnapped and replaced with a stump, or if they were taken and then replaced by a fairy or something that's in the, basically the skin of the previous occupant. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Not like literally, but they have an enchantment to look like it. So in the case of possession, fairy, if I'm understanding you correctly, chose someone's like, I like, their steez and their steez their style their flavor their scent okay their, steez their musk you know and uh <laughs> they're just like that person's got the flavor i'm a craven and they possess them and then they, that fairy can use said individual steez as they desire <laughs> yeah essentially and then that, they take the, over their identity yeah but the original person is now just brain dead uh, the original person was or has taken. Or fairy in them? Is the fairy going in this person, or is the fairy just being like, I'm going to copy-paste your look? Is what that one. Copy-paste the look. And so then the original body is just kind of messed up from it? From the copy-paste? No, the original body is taken with the, to the fairies. The fairies have taken them, and they're in fairyland. And what they left behind? Is a fairy in its place. Or a piece of wood enchanted to look like the previous person. Okay. Continue on. So, I'm sure I won't get less confused as we go. (laughs) I don't think this is going to end like, you know, a murder documentary where it's all wrapped up. We've got answers. (laughs) We know about the motives of the fairies. 
We don't know anything about the fairies. Yeah, they're, they're, I just need to stop asking questions also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stop asking questions. It's just a bunch of wet, sick Europeans writing down crazy bullshit. There's like, an actual case of an adult that was believed to be possessed by fairies, probably, maybe, most likely not. They didn't believe it. They were probably just terrible. Yeah. And so this is, a, this is a bit of a trigger warning, which I probably should go back and say for the previous story about the child I just said. We should probably just go and put one in at the top. Yeah, I'll I'll put one in at the top. Yeah. yeah, trigger warning. There's some there's some messed up stuff in here. I mean, I wasn't warned. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. Yeah, it kind of got weird. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do that at the end. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll say it. We'll say it at the end. No, like we'll, we'll record one at the end. We'll record one at the okay, end. Okay, yeah, because that wouldn't be helpful for people if we put the trigger warning. At the end. So actual case trigger warning. Fire no. beware. So the case is called the Tipperary Horror, or misleadingly misleadingly, the witch burning at Clomnal, even though she wasn't a witch. This shows, like, how prevalent the belief of Changeloos was, because this guy just, like, got away with it. But, anyway. Michael Cleary, a Cooper. As in a person that does the rings on barrels. Cooper. Oh, Cooper. Yeah. Quick question, sorry. Is this, uh, UK or England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is England. Um, and his 26-year-old wife, Bridget, lived with her father, Patrick Boland, in a sparsely populated area of Ballyvedlia, some 50 miles north of Clomnol. Clonmol, which is a hard word to say. Um, it's an unfortunate word to exist, yeah. They lived in a tiny new laborer's cottage, um, and oh. Bridget clearly supplemented the family income by selling eggs and making dresses, and they had enough money to consult the local doctor when she developed a quote-unquote nervous condition. Um, when Bridget mysteriously disappeared in March of 1895, rumors that she had been abducted by the fairies at, uh, Kyle Granach Hill. Where we got it? I mean, Kyle Grinha. <laughs> That's probably That's like some British Welsh. way to say that, that I don't know. Kyle Grana. Yeah. Kyle Grana. Hill. And that her husband and other Hill. members of <laughs> her family had exercised and killed the changeling left in her place, um, reached the ears of local officials who began to investigate. Mm. Uh, Michael Cleary, Patrick Boland, Bridget's father, Patrick James, and Michael Kennedy, her cousins, Mary Kennedy, her aunt, as well as two neighbors, John Dunn and William Ahern, were arrested and charged with having, quote-unquote, having assaulted and ill-treated her on March 14th, 1894, and caused her actual bodily harm. Um, So her, this is the trigger part, so she died, yeah. Her burned body was found on March 22nd, in a shallow grave by a dark of quarter a mile from her house. Um, two more men, William Kennedy and another cousin, Dennis Ganey, the local fairy doctor, quote-unquote, were also charged. The do, charge, do, do we have a definition of a fairy doctor? So, like, if your doctor, if your kid or whoever is possessed by fairies, you go to the fairy doctor oh, with it for advice on how to figure it out, right? It was that prevalent that they had... A fairy doctor. And there, then this that's is, just a title... And it says local, so that implies that there yeah, are several yeah, yeah, fairy yeah. doctors. It wasn't a regional fairy doctor? No. It wasn't <laughs> a local a, one. RM of fairy doctors yeah. for that part of the... Good lord. So, the charge was changed to willful murder, and the sensational trial reported all over the British Isles began. Um, through the testimony of chief witnesses for the Crown, two other neighbors of the Clearies, the horrible story emerged. Um, Bridget had been suffering from some form of mental illness, and when the services of a local priest and local doctor proved ineffectual, a frustrated Michael Cleary turned to other means. A fairy doctor. Convinced that his wife had been exchanged for a fairy woman, he sought the advice of Dana Scanny, a fairy doctor, who prescribed folk medicine for her. Yeah, yeah, which is just a physical assault. What kind of person does that, uh, does the profession of fairy doctor, fairy medicine attract? Well, so here it is. Uh, so, Ganey was later acquitted, and it's not possible to ascertain whether or not he prescribed the exorcism that killed her, but... Now we're calling it an exorcism. Yeah. So On the we, first night of the ritual... Interesting. Bridget um, was forced to swallow a concoction of milk and herbs, and an odious mixture of water, urine, and hen's ec- excrement um, was repeatedly sprinkled on her body, Um after threats, physical abuse, and repeated questioning, she was, at the suggestion of John Dunn, held over the kitchen hearth fire to drive the fairy out of her. Um, clearly, her family and friends agreed, at least initially, with Michael's diagnosis of her condition, but they were willing to help exercise her. 
However, when the fire did not drive out the changeling, all except Michael believed that the person with them was actually Bridget. So they were like, she's just mentally ill, she's not a fairy anymore. Michael, however, claimed it was not my wife, and she was too fine to be my wife, or she was two inches taller than my wife. So this guy's just crazy. So this is wildly interesting. If these fairy doctors are calling... I mean, you said earlier the misclassification of this as being someone that was considered to be a witch. Uh, the church was heavily involved in, of course, the Malleus Maleficarum of hunting down and... They codified how to torture women and find out, prove, quote unquote, in juristic or in courts of law, how to like show that these people were witches. Was there something, or is it a similar push by the church to identify fairies or changelings? Like, was this overseen? Because they're calling this an exorcism. So yeah, on the following night, Michael with. Family members or friends again present attempted another round of interrogation. Bridget began to argue, saying, Your mother used to go with the fairies, and this is why you think I'm going with them, thus accusing his mother of unchastity. He became furious. Um, he did more mean things. Um, still persuaded that he was burning a fairy, um, he eventually killed her that way. Um, not convinced of his error, he later asked to borrow a revolver, and went to await Bridget on the fairy hill. Um, the authentic Mrs. Cleary was to appear, riding a gray horse when the imposter had been exercised. Um, he was said to have waited for three nights. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, the over overlap here. I mean, substitute changeling for witch and substitute fairy for devil. And it's exactly the same as any of these witch trials. Yeah. Um, so the charge of willful murder was and dropped in favor of manslaughter, for it was clear, as the court examiner commented... That Bridget clearly was not deliberately murdered, but killed in the belief that an evil fairy had taken possession of her. All the accused were found guilty and sentenced to prison, while Michael Cleary, 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 I can't say it. Cleary. 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 Uh, received 20 years of hard labor. So, um, but to be honest, I don't believe him. I think he's just crazy, and then he didn't want to deal with the fact that his wife was mentally ill, and then he found a way to convince himself to kill her. That's what I think. Yeah, I would... I would uh, assume that's most likely the case. Yeah. It's kind of uh, taking all of it together. It seems like fairies, just like witches, were a really good excuse for getting rid of people in communities when the rest of the community found them to be either, you know, a physical hindrance or something that they didn't want to deal with or take care of or were too cool and groovy of a human being for the rest of them. Squares and what are you said, Cron Muggle Hill or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like these. So <laughs> now we've likes. seen all of those physical and congenital diseases, right? And then also mental illness mm -hmm. being related to changelings. Mm -hmm. um, also, another thing that scholars, scientists, people have. Us. Yeah, I mean, well, we're researching. We have kind of. Um, Basically, I lost my train of thought because yeah. we were just making a bunch of noise, so thanks. Oh, uh, it's on brand. It's, that's <laughs> this podcast. This is great. Um, so I came across an article when I was researching um, Evidence for Autism in Folklore um, by Jay Leesk, A. Leesk, and N. Silvov. Um, and it's just a short one, but essentially they're theorizing... Um, the new child, the changeling, is characterized by unresponsiveness, resistance to physical affection... Um, a word I don't know, an Ill inability to express emotion, and unexplained and crying in physical changes such as rigidity and deformity. Some are unable to speak. Uh, the parallels between changing tales and autism have been briefly noted by writers on the history of the disorder. Some features of these stories, including the initial health and beauty of the child, change after some period of quote-unquote normalcy, and the specific behaviors of the changeling listed above are well matched to the symptoms in some presentations of autism. Hmm. Um, and obviously the weird stigma around autism is still very prevalent. Yeah, it continues to this day. Um, so it's kind of like a thing where I think the modern version of that, like the cha the modern ver changeling thing of for 
a child with autism would be the the vaccine gave my child autism. The vaccination myths that were perpetrated by that one non-scientist. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, to kind of like a scapegoating. Yeah. Like a scapegoating. Finding a way to delegitimize the reality of a situation and blame it on something that's, you know, entirely mythical and not grounded in reality whatsoever. Would it be beneficial to have some behaviors related to autism for, like, posterity state to kind of, like, see? To go over them? Yeah, a little bit. I have some from the Autism Advocate, Learning the Sides of Autism and the Importance of Acting Early by Georgia Peacock, MD, MPH, and Amanda Aldridge, MPH. Would that be helpful? I think that would be not only helpful, but good, considering the only allusions so far from these historical sources have been uh, that your child's a monster. So this would be... Yeah. Right. So some um, behaviors present in autism and autistic people. These are things to look out for, essentially, if you're raising a young child. A child has trouble relating to others or no interest in other people at all, avoids, on- avoids eye contact, prefers not to be held or cuddled, has trouble expressing needs using typical words or emotions, has extreme trouble adapting when a routine changes, unusual reactions to senses, does not smile on own by five months or laugh by six months, shows no interest in games or peekaboo by eight months, so repeats or echoes words or phrases to him or her, or them, let's just say them, or repeats words or phrases in place of normal language, so echolalia, does not use name the parents, does not play pretend games, doesn't look at objects or when a person points at them at 12 months, does not point at objects to show interest by 24 months. It's also important to remember that any of these signs by themselves can be typical. For example, how children manage transitions, engage in meaningful interactions with adults, and use their imaginations. However, a pattern of unusual behaviors, constant use of certain behaviors over time, or problems with communication are cause for concern. A recent study showed that parents noticed delays in children with ASD prior to age 3, but the average diagnosis was not until 5 years old. In general, if you are hoping to have your um, child kind of assimilate into what we consider to be, like, quote-unquote, socially normal, then you're trying to catch it early and trying to either help the child adapt to do things on their own in day-to-day life or helping them with coping mechanisms so they can go to school and do that kind of thing. So in the United States... 17% of children have a developmental or behavioral disability, such as autism, or an intellectual disability, also known as mental retardation, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, whoop whoop. (laughs) Yeah, I get it, because that's that's my family heritage. That's the name of the show. Yeah. (laughs) It's me, my mom, my sister. the name of the podcast. In addition, less than 50% of children are identified as having a problem before starting school, because you have to, like do really boring stuff in school, by which time significant delays have already occurred. So, yeah. Anyway, commenters on Changeling Tales have included that the stories explain the birth of um, children with disabilities in non-scientific cultures, legends where societies attempt to make sense of and cope with child disability, providing a coherent explanation for its occurrence. Hmm. So I feel like in modern times, the pervasiveness of the myth that vaccines can cause autism probably relates to the behavior seen by parents who were tried to oust the fairy out of their neurodivergent children yeah. in the past. Two sides of the same coin. Of course, it's not socially acceptable People for them to, change you know, time. drive pokers down their throats yeah, at you this know, moment. Thanks for including that in the podcast. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, that, I mean, you beat me to the punch there. I was going to say we should also go back to the front yeah, and uh, yeah. throw in a, this podcast does not endorse so pokers down the throats of children okay yeah no we do not endorse honestly and or changelings i don't see why they gotta die another thing about autism tell me another thing it's a pervasive developmental disability that impacts communication movement and sensory processing pervasive means that autism affects every part of the person because it's their neurology Autistic people are as diverse as any other group of people with their own strengths and weaknesses. The amount of support that each autistic person needs can vary greatly with individuals and even in the same person from day to day. Mm-hmm. Each and every autistic person experiences and interprets the world around them in distinctly autistic ways. 
The best way to learn about autism is to ask an autistic person. Autistic people are the only true experts on autism. Places where you can do that. The Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, ASAN, provides support, community, and public policy advocacy by and for people on the autism spectrum. That's autisticadvocacy.org. Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. So this is the gender queer or gender divergent along with neurodivergent peoples. It seeks to share information which works to build acceptance and understanding of the disability while dispelling stereotypes and misinformation which perpetuate unnecessary fears surrounding the autism diagnosis. That's anwnetwork.org. And also Self-Advocates Becoming Empowered, S-A-B-E, works to ensure that people with disabilities are treated as equals and are given the same decisions, choices, rights, responsibilities, and a chance to speak up to empower themselves as everyone else. That's asbeusa.org. That's fantastic. Thanks for including those. So those are resources for autistic folks in case you need them. But this is a great time for our little ad. I want to come back to another segment after our little ad space. Well, that was an ad. That was an ad. I sure want that product now. (laughs) What a fantastic ad for that product or service. So... Maddie, you said you had uh, another segment lined up for us. What do we got going on now? Uh, so I thought because this is a myth and storytelling podcast, and there are some true stories, like we went over, but like I thought... the log. Would, yeah, the log. I thought it would be fun to have a myth-busting sort of segment. Sort of a PSA, myth, myth-busting. myth I want to be a myth-buster. Maddie, Maddie's busting... Bust Maddie, Maddie busts the myth? Yeah. So the myth that I would love to bust this bust time. It. All right, what are you busting today? You want to make a guess? Uh, is it changeling related, or is it just a myth of tangentially related? Tangentially related. You're gonna bust. Um, well, you just pointed it out to me. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, if we're gonna divide up, <laughs> let's let's separate the week from the chaff episode one here. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this show, we're not gonna. We're not going to cater to anyone that feels this way, so take it away, Maddie. Bust that myth. Okay, so the myth we're covering today is the false, uh-huh. basically, statement that uh-huh. vaccination can cause autism. So, let me be clear again. This is a myth that we are busting. About to get busted. So, how did this originate? I don't know. In 1998... Uh, UK doctor Andrew Wakefield published a study, quote-unquote study, in The Uh, Lancet, suggesting that measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine could trigger autism. Does this person still have their doctor's license? They do not. Ah, you do know up top. In the years after, MR vaccination rates among two-year-olds in England dropped below 80%, but the claim began to unravel in 2004 after a journalist, Brian Deere, reported undisclosed conflicts of interest. Wakefield had applied for a patent on his own measles vaccine and had received money from a lawyer trying to sue companies making the MR, MMR vaccines. Okay. Citing further concerns about ethics and misrepresentation. Great. So a con man started all of this, and it's grown, in, grown a life of all of its own? The Lancet retracted the paper in 2010. Shortly after, the United Six Kingdom's... Years later? No, wait. Wait, wasn't it 1998? 12 so, years later? Yeah. Wow. Way to be on top of it. It was just one study, though, because no one was finding these things. So, you know, for something to be scientifically viable, multiple studies have to be peer-reviewed and also cross-referenced and replicated in order for it to be true. Still 12 years? Nobody else found this. So it was just one study that was wrong. And then, so the Lancet retracted the, the article, the paper that they published, and then shortly after, the United Kingdom General Medicine Council medical council permanently pulled Wakefield's medical license. So he lost his license because he made crap up to make money off of an alternate vaccine. I have to say, this episode has not been kind to folks from England. 
we should maybe like also put that up at the top of the episode. Well, Changelings were also German and. Well, others, I know, but so you, you didn't focus did on their stories. You just kind of yeah gone hard after the English. So. Sorry. <laughs> In 2016, a release of the movie Vaxed. Sorry. It's a movie Wakefield directed that oh, alleges a cover up by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Story features pioneer Brett. Bioengineer Brian Hooker, who took issue with a 2004 CDC study that found no overall difference in the vaccination rates between kids with and without autism. One of the several hundred studies that have disproved the fake study that was published. Literally the same thing as Plandemic last year with that discredited uh, virologist. I'm not even sure if she was, but yeah, she Mm -hmm. made a movie last year. They did that basically propaganda movie about this again. But what what was his stake in the game this far in? Like We don't know. Why, yeah, because I thought it was just a money-making scheme for a patent, right? Yeah, essentially. So then, now so maybe he's trying, maybe he's bitter because he lost his license because he was a dirty liar. And he also sees that there's money because people like took the bait and are running with it. He, it's all speculation. Okay, we can we have no idea. Yeah, no, but we can speculate wildly. Anyway, um, such claims prompted a slew of studies finding no evidence that MMR causes autism. So the vaccine. For example, a 2014 meta-analysis and vaccine examined studies involving a total of almost 1.3 million people. That same year, a paper in the Journal of the American Medical Association reported that no difference existed in autism rates between thousands of vaccinated and unvaccinated children. Sucks that they even had to look into that, you know, because uh, it's all based on a bullshit lie. Having to do a bunch of research into something that was made up is kind of a waste of time. It's a waste of everyone's time. Uh-huh. And it's... And extremely damaging. For it's very people. damaging. So that's that's great. Thanks, Wakefield. Can we get his full name one more time? The person who was the big liar is Andrew Wakefield. Andrew Wakefield. I just... Previous medical doctor. Previous... Now disgraced now, medical... Disgraced. Uh, fabricator. Of course... Oh, man. All right. It goes without saying that measles, mumps, and rubella are extremely deadly to people of all ages, especially the elderly... And young people. So the purpose of getting the vaccine is to protect your infant child from a deadly disease, and the and to potentially eradicate the disease. Yeah, once and for all. I know it's not very topical, but are there any other diseases that vaccines could prevent? Yeah. So a really big one, also for when for young children's young childrens is um, the whooping cough vaccine. That's not what I was referring to, but yeah, let's do that. Because you, your child could literally stop breathing. And it's pertussis is the disease. Ooh. I got pertussis as an adult. And let me tell you, a lot of, like, I had so much cough medicine, that, did, that shit did not touch it at all. It was just... I don't know if you'll have an answer to this. Hmm. It could very well be like a folk, like a folk tale in and of itself. But I remember at a fairly young age... I heard someone saying that the reason they appeared to be heavier in stature and appearance was because they had a whooping cough, and it literally caused, uh, while their chest was developing, their bones to kind of appear more, uh, let's say, puffed out. I don't know anything about this. No, okay. I, um, th- it's this horribly is, deadly. Yeah, I know it's not good, but... And awful. Yeah, we got nothing on that one. All right. Anyway, also... Shared that story. I mean, what Tucker was baiting me into is uh, get the COVID vaccine. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> get the vaccine. Just get the vaccine. It's it's really good, and uh, we both are vaccinated. Pretty much everyone we know. Yeah. From what we understand, anyway, vaccines essentially are super useful. They give you valuable immune defense against deadly diseases. We were able to almost totally eradicate polio by getting the vaccine and all of you not vaccinating your children has now typhus, resurrected right? that disease. So typhoid as well. I don't know about typhoid. Probably. I thought typhoid was pretty much done. Anyway, please get a vaccine. Well, you all know, vaccines. When we started today's recording focused on changelings, I, I knew we'd end up here. Mm. I knew we'd end up with a PSA for vaccines. One last thing on changelings. Oh, we're going back. All right. Let's end the podcast by returning to the topic. In the the Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network, they have this great blog space um, where people with autism write 
articles. And there's one that I would love to recommend. It's called Neurodiversity, Changelings, and What Fate, colon, The Winks Saga, Can Teach Us About Acceptance. It was written in March 1st, 2021 by Kaylee Whalen. And it talks about the Winks series, which are fairies with magical powers. You know, I, I want to do this episode because my favorite Holy Black book has to do with changelings, and that's Tithe, the first book. It's called Tithe. So this is another thing that is relating to fairies. And apparently there are kind of some folks in the autistic community that identify with changelings and take up the moniker as sort of like a self... A reclamation? A reclamation, yeah, of the the thing. And I just want to just read a, a quick excerpt from this. The main character in the Winx saga is named Bloom, and this is talking about Bloom being a changeling. Apparently it is revealed at some point that she is a a fairy changeling and that her entire life is a lie. But there's no note on who she replaced, but that's how it is. So Bloom's difficult with maintaining healthy relationships and pushing away people who care about her, her difficulty making interesting friends, her intense esoteric interests, her difficulty with emotions, including anger, which seem to rapidly and unexpectedly fluctuate, especially when triggered by such trauma, all point to Bloom being neurodivergent. For example, autistic meltdowns can lead people to lashing out when triggered and overwhelmed. Kaylee says, I'm not a psychologist and I don't want to armchair diagnose Bloom, but many of her traits I relate to because both of my experiences with bipolar disorder and autism. Representation is interesting and important. I think that these myths are, like, extremely powerful. They have, if not a collective significance, then sort of a, I guess, a lasting effect. Yeah. And they inspire stories and fantasy now. And people continue to identify with them. Another thing I want to end with... (laughs) I was laughing really hard to myself with how on-brand your uh, behavior is today with regards to the ADD. How you did cover these organizations about 20 minutes ago, and in that time, that would have been... Yeah, so this <laughs> is like, this is a good... You could have read these things. <laughs> but then you went to three other stories, and then we're like, I'm going back to that organization I plugged a minute ago. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Where are we at now? So I just wanted to do a little positive thing about um, autism because some people, especially women, um, do not get it diagnosed until later in life. And just this is from the Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network again. There's a nice, they have a nice pamphlet, um, information and resources for newly diagnosed or recognized autistic women and non-binary individuals. These are quotes from people. Welcome. Congratulations. It will be better than okay. It will be great. Our community has a need for someone just like you. Please don't let anyone make you second-guess yourself because you're quote-unquote too feminine or not like their artistic nephew or whatever. We come in all flavors of girly and not, and we don't tend to present like boys. You're not required to suffer fools kindly, even if you've spent your whole life doing so. This isn't something to mourn. You are not a failure. failure. You are perfect. And there are a lot of us out here who want you in our lives exactly as you are. Another one is, you see the world differently, you know what you think differently, and that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, neurodivergence is not sad. No. It's nice. Absolutely. And it's normal. We all have our own challenges and difficulties that we're overcoming. Mm -hmm. I was seen as a log for many years. (laughs) I'm overcoming that slowly but surely. I'm also no longer withered or blue-eyed. Yes. And then the resources again for autistic folks. Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. Self-Advocates Becoming Empowered. And I'm sure we'll put the links to those organizations in the description of this episode. Yeah, 100%. This is a just kind of the way um, me, the neurodivergent host, tells stories. There are tangents. They're interesting. We explore them. We go back to the beginning. We, we establish, like, levels and uh, cityscapes and vistas mm-hmm. on our journey. And then we go, hey, it was really pretty on that hillside. Let's go back to it. And then we go back to it for picnics. And we enjoy the, the, the view again. 
And then um, if you want to contact us about things you'd like to add about this episode, uh, stories that you want us to go over. Feedback. Feedback. I'm very open to feedback. Critiques on our voices. (laughs) We have an email address set up for this. Um, It is addstoryteller, E-R instead of I-N-G, at gmail.com. Oh. So if you have any feedback for us, go ahead and send us an email. Also, if you're just a really wealthy sponsor, there are things you can donate to our podcast on our page, our public podcast page. We are also looking for sponsorships through Anchor, so we're using Anchor. And thanks so much for coming out and hanging out with us and talking about all this crazy stuff. Thank you, Maddie. This is incredibly interesting and wildly fascinating. And it took me places I genuinely could not have foreseen <laughs> us going to. Both light and dark. But we dark. went there. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get the trigger warning, but here I am. I'm fine, and I'm happy, and this was great, and it's been a pleasure being here. Also, she's my fiance, and we're getting married next weekend, so there's that fun little bit of information. I'm just, I'm just, what? <laughs> I'm going to have to cut out some of this. Why, why are you going to, why? Let's see. All right. Thanks again. Bye. Oh, that was fun.